Kia ora New Zealand, welcome to Rugby World Cup today, uh, Brad Lewis filling in for Surly uh, currently, uh, he's uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of miles above me uh, flying uh, his way back to New Zealand from Nice, I'll uh, be having having him back on the show tomorrow which will be awesome. Rugby World Cup today brought to you by Kubota, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. What do we have in store for you today guys? Well, we will hear from Surly who uh, reports to us from France just minutes before um, he took off on his flight. Uh, I'll chat to Logan as well, who is my wonderful producer uh, on the show today. We'll just have a, a few things to say about the Rugby World Cup and where we think, think it's going. Logan, of course, was on location earlier on the tournament. Uh, Campbell Burns from Rugby News. He is the Rugby News editor. Uh, we are at the business end of the tournament, guys, um, so we'll get his thoughts on how all these teams are shaping out. have my breakout performance, of course, our Rugby World Cup schedule as well. Uh, and we'll hear from the All Blacks. We'll dive deep into their camp with Greg Feek, Cody Taylor, and offer... Tung Afasi. Uh, but first of all, I mean, the, the show's got his name on it, so we, we need to have him at some point, and we've got him right now. This is Surly checking in from France. Surly here, just finished Wednesday night show, and before I jump on a plane, start that long trip back to New Zealand, the lads have asked me to do a bit of a wrap-up of my time here in France, and then also a quick preview on what I hope to see from the All Blacks ahead of that big game against Uruguay tomorrow morning. France, she's been unreal, pretty much exceeded all expectations I had. Five weeks over here and time has certainly flown by. Like I mentioned on yesterday's show, the weather, it's been unreal, 25 to 30 degrees every day. The crowds, the atmosphere at the games has been second to none. Seeing the passion that the French fans have for their footy really does make you realise just how much they get behind their sport. From day one in Paris through to last weekend's game against Italy in Lyon, it's fair to say the atmosphere has been building. Good to see so many Kiwi fans over here now ripping their All Blacks kit and also so many mutual fans, non-Kiwis, ripping the All Blacks kit as well. It's a great reminder of just how big the All Blacks brand is worldwide. World Cup fever certainly swept the nation. I think that injury to DuPont has also made a lot more headlines over here and I expect that only to ramp up in the weeks to come with some mouthwatering quarterfinal matchup games with the French well and truly in with a chance if their skipper is able to get back out on the paddock. On the line out, Dane oh. Coles wrapping around inside ball to Cam Roygaard. He speeds over the 22 on the inside and Tom Leonard Brown. How good! 11 out of 10 good. From set piece, the All Blacks have been scintillating. It's 94. Don't adjust, adjust your radio dials. 94 points to 10. Kick to come. Of course, the All Blacks, they were impressive last weekend and they'll be looking to do the same again this week against Uruguay. A lot of changes from Coach Foster, but also a few key names that are still in the mix that I think will help guide us to a massive win. Do I think it'll be the repeat of the 96 points the lads piled on last weekend? Probably not, to be fair. I thought Ireland were incredibly disappointing, while at the same time, we were outstanding. But they allowed us to play such a fast brand of footy, and when you let the All Blacks get quick pill, that is when we are most dangerous. So what I want to see from our boys tomorrow, I think Uruguay will bring a fast, up-in-your-face, confrontational style of defence. So I want to see us be able to negate that line speed and really show some ways which we're looking to implement 
in our attack in the future. We know if we play an Ireland or a South Africa in that quarterfinal, that is exactly how they're going to try shut us down, by catching us behind the advantage line. So I want to see Richie and co come up with some creative and effective ways to try and stop nullify that effect of the line speed. I also want to see the boys continue to play that eyes up, explosive and free-flowing footy. Of course, all of that starts up front, but with your Shannon Frizzells, your Sam Kane, Luke Jacobson, Sam Whitelock and co still in the mix, I expect our forwards to well and truly dominate that battle, get us some fast ball, and that's when guys like Richie Moanga, Damian McKenzie, Geordie Barrett, they are at their most dangerous. So what I want to see, fast ball, and then some expensive footy. I want to see D-Mac injecting himself a lot around the fringes. He's so deadly up against tired defenders at ruck time. We heard from Ian Foster yesterday. He's mentioned that they're going to play Damien at 10, bring Bodie on at fullback at some stage as well. This is a huge opportunity for Damien to cement his spot in our top 23. And I think his form over the duration of this tournament has really forced Foster's hand here to give him an opportunity. And now that is his jersey for the taking. I also want to see guys like Lester Whanganuku continue to make the most of their limited opportunities. A massive performance from him here could really force Ian Foster into some big decisions and the more depth we have available in our squad, the better it is come finals footy because unfortunately injuries are often inevitable when you take on these big physical sides. It's only a matter of time, touch wood, before we have one. So having these guys ready to go with some Ks under their legs can only be beneficial. So in terms of the outcome, I'm hoping the All Blacks by at least 50 to 60 points but it's more of the manner in which we win that is more important. If we can be clinical again at set-piece time, we are outstanding at both line-out and scrum last week. We can tick all the boxes, our kicking game be sharp, both off the tee and out of hand. Then I see the All Blacks racking up another convincing win and continuing that momentum that we picked up last week as we build towards a massive game. So exciting times for All Blacks fans. This is almost one of those games where if we don't put on an impressive performance, the fans will get really nervous. So hopefully when we talk again on Friday night and I'm back in the studio, we're recapping a huge All Black win, lots of boxes ticked, and we're feeling great about our prospects heading into finals footy. So that's it from me. Hope you enjoy tonight's show and I'll catch you back here in the studio tomorrow night, ready to review a convincing win from the All Blacks. I'm confident of that. Catch you soon. Go well. I hope he's a better flyer than I am because... Oh, really? Those long-haul flights, uh, McCarty basically popped a sleeping pill and he, was, and, and he was good to go. Me, on the other hand, I uh, basically just filled my time watching a lot, of, a lot of movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Top Gun Maverick finally saw that. Highly rate that. I love the first movie, so I'm glad. Top, Rump, Top Gun Maverick is a banger. It is. It was probably the best movie of 2022. Yeah, like, when it took me almost two years to see it. Come on, man. I know. I've, I have a young kid. I don't really get a lot of time to watch stuff like that. But sticking with the rugby and with Surly, mm. uh, one thing I picked up there on his little report, he meant to say Italy, but he said Ireland. And naughty, naughty there, Surly. You know what Fozzie says 
take things one game at a time. Indeed. I think his, I think his mind was already on the quarterfinals there. Well, I mean, I think it's on the mind of most Kiwis logs, uh, you know. And man, look, there's another team in the world that has a little bit to say about uh, what the permutations of these quarterfinals are going to be, and that is Scotland, of course. So uh, let's not write them off completely. I mean, how huge would it be if the box or Ireland were knocked out this week, uh, and the Springboks by not even playing? Well, I do remember a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago before the tournament even started, mm. uh, one Stephen Beaver Donald actually said that Ireland wouldn't even get into the quarterfinal. So how massive would that be? And he's already drawn the ire of the South African media. So imagine if they, uh, the, the Irish rugby media found that clip. He put a vivid through the patties before a ball had been kicked or passed or a try had been scored. And you're right. Uh, so the way that Beav gets his way, Scotland win by eight points and deny Ireland a bonus point. Scotland and South Africa go through to the quarterfinals. And of course, if you're confused about all the rest of the permutations uh, leading into the quarterfinals, at this stage, there's only two teams that have definitely got a spot, that being England and Wales. Of course, you imagine the All Blacks quite likely have one there too. Go to the SNZ website, snzradio.nz. They're all listed there. World Rugby crunched the numbers so that we don't have to. I mean, my maths is terrible. I imagine yours isn't that much. Not good, mate. Yeah. Go to the website, check it out, and that's where you have all the info that you need, Brad. Thank you, Logs. All right, coming up next, guys, we are going to go to Campbell Burns, Rugby News Editor. Uh, As I mentioned to Logs, a lot of palmitations when it comes to quarterfinals. We're going to find out where Campbell thinks these teams are going and how all those Lego pieces are going to come into place. That's next here on Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota Shaping and Building Australia and New Zealand. Welcome back into Rugby World Cup today. Brad filling in for Surly, who is currently on a plane coming home uh, from uh, France, from Nice, I think, I believe he was. Uh, he'll be back on board tomorrow. Rugby World Cup today brought to you by Kubota, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. And it is a huge, huge weekend of games at Rugby World Cup uh, with a lot of quarterfinalists and who they're playing to be decided and to discuss that. Rugby News Editor Campbell Burns joins the show. Uh, Campbell, uh, good evening. Uh, happy uh, Rugby World Cup Week 4 week. How are you doing, mate? Very good evening to you, Brad. Yeah, mate, it's um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting to that squeaky bum time, as Sir uh, Alex Ferguson would say, uh, at, at the World Cup. There's been a lot of code going on, both NPC and Rugby World Cup, but uh, it's all good, mate. 100%. Squeaky bum time is the word, and I think the team with the squeakiest bum this week, Campbell, might be the Irish, because there are some palmitations that could see them eliminated from this tournament, which would be unfathomable uh, just a week or two ago when they beat South Africa, but it could happen. Uh, and, and and what I like about this game, Campbell, is it's not like they're playing like an Australia or an All Blacks, like a team that don't know these players. They're playing guys that are familiar with them, you know, like guys that don't fear a Johnny Sexton and an Amani and, and, and a, a Tug Burn and all those sort of guys. Scotland versus Ireland has the potential to be one of the most important pool games games in World Cup history. Certainly does, yeah. So Sunday morning, uh, 8 a.m. Um, from uh, from Stade de France, Ireland, Scotland. Uh, Ireland's certainly favourites, and uh, if they get through that, they'll be meeting the All Blacks uh, in the quarters. But Scotland have played well um, during this World Cup. They perhaps didn't, didn't uh, do their best work against South Africa in the opening game. Uh, but they've certainly, I mean, I think they're still number five in the rankings. Uh, they performed pretty well. Um, so that they, they do have the game to... Um, to, I guess, upset Ireland in certain areas, but hard to see there being evidence uh, for, for Ireland to crack um, 
you know, they, they've, they've withstood the pressure so far. They beat the Springboks, and uh, you would think they would confirm their top billing and Pool B by winning this, but um, I suspect it won't be by a lot. Yeah, and I agree, you would think that, but uh, an interesting scenario for me in this is Scotland win by eight points. Ireland don't get a bonus point. Ireland's eliminated from the tournament. That's how razor thin edge Ireland are, are living here, and you know they've 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 proven their worth over the course of the last sixteen games. Campbell, that where they where they basically you know the Springboks game's the closest they've they've come to losing. Um, they're a fantastic side, but you know this is almost uh, a round of sixteen sort of football World Cup type of game for them, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is, but uh, well, once again, I'd, I'd go back to that game two weeks ago against the box mm. where probably uh, the, the intensity, the brutal defence of that game, that was a very big test for Ireland. They came through. I think they're sitting on 16 straight wins now. Uh, the, the pressure won't ramp up entirely on them, I don't think, until the quarterfinals. So I think they'll be um, they'll, they'll put out their strongest side possible. Um, and I can't recall the last time they actually lost to Scotland and the Six Nations. Uh, it must have been a while seven back. Years, but, uh, seven years, Campbell. Seven years. Yeah. That's right, yes. I'm, I'm sure there won't be too many fears for Ireland, but no. they do have to get uh, to get over that psychological mindset uh, that, with the pressure going on, and, um, and and the Scots have certainly got nothing to lose because they have played um, played two pretty good games um, against fairly, fairly straightforward opposition and beating Tonga and Romania, and now, now there's their, and here's their big chance. Let's look uh, at the other side of the draw, and uh, look, we all expect, I think, Campbell, Fiji to get the job done. Um, all they need to do is get a bonus point against Portugal, and they are through setting up a potential quarterfinal against England, which has kind of got a mouthwatering tinge to it, given the fact that Fiji beat them at Twickenham uh, just over a month ago. Uh, do you give Fiji a chance of slipping up England, who have arguably been uh, the biggest surprise package of the tournament, the Poms? Yes, I do. Yep, absolutely. Um, it's funny with England, they, they were the first team to qualify for the quarters yes. without even raising sweat or, or even playing that well, um, which was bizarre because even though they're the, they were the top seeds in Pool D, um, they won against Argentina um, with a man down and just a terrible performance by the Pumas. And yes. then they've, um, they, they've got through without really doing a lot against um, uh, Japan and then uh, and obviously easing up against Chile. So... England, um, England have had a nice, easy, easy World Cup uh, so far after a terrible build-up. So they're playing Samoa uh, on on Sunday morning, and um, you would think they would still win that. Uh, Samoa have got their own issues and haven't played particularly well. But I, I would think that Fiji, uh, if they get that, at least get that bonus point against Portugal, I'm sure there won't be any issues in doing so. They had the game to. To upset England, they already have. Um, I, I don't think they would necessarily go in as favourites into a quarter-final against uh, Steve Borthwick's men, but um, I think it would be all on, and Fiji have a prime chance to make their first ever semi-final. How good would that be? And, and looking at the key game, you mentioned Argentina-Campbell. Uh, Argentina-Japan, uh, again, this is almost like your round of 16 game, isn't it? It's loser goes home, uh, winner goes through, uh, and has a, and, win, and actually winner has an opportunity to potentially qualify for the, 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 the semi-finals with a game against Wales potentially awaiting them. Uh, this is a massive game for both countries in the grand scheme of this whole entire tournament. Well, that's right. I mean, at the start of the tournament, I would have thought Argentina, who are only the third seeds, probably would have been favourites to clean up Paul D. But as I say, they were so bad against England, uh, they weren't very good against Samoa, but did just enough. So Argentina hasn't had a great World Cup so far, but they're neither of Japan. Um, and they didn't really um, put that much pressure on England, um, although they did beat... Uh, well, so they've, um, uh, they did beat Samoa, uh, but really... 
Japan have probably been a side in decline when you compare to 2015, uh, the miracle at Brighton, and then 2019 making the quarterfinals. So Jamie Joseph is going to have to engineer something uh, spectacular for them to, to beat the Puma because the, the, the Argentines will come at them strong on the forwards there, and that, uh, that could be a very uh, tight, tense tussle uh, in Nantes there. Which way are you leaning in that? Because as I said, like this is the the um, the, the the arsenine part of this draw is that the, the basically the winner of this game plays Wales, right? So you're going to have a Wales, a Fiji, or, or uh, sorry, a Wales, Japan, or Argentina, basically in a World Cup semi final. So all, all's on the cards here. So which way are you leaning? Like I don't know. I just kind of feel like Japan haven't thrown all their cards on the table yet. Well, the, the, yeah, that's the case. They've certainly left it late um, <laughs> because Argentina, I think, would still have the wherewithal um, as long as they don't play poorly. This is a side that's beaten the All Blacks twice in the last three years. Indeed. So, you know, you, you would think if they get it together, they will they will have the win, and, and I think that will be the case. But uh, you never know with Japan. If they have been um, foxing in any sort of way, um, they're going to have to bring it all out um, on early, um, early on Monday morning, New Zealand time, I think. But really, I mean that that, that Paul D has um, seriously been a been, been a tough one to to sort of fathom uh, and how thing how the cards have played in that one. But Argentina, you know, without having played any good uh, so far, can can do the can do the business and get through to the quarters and. Um, uh, a quarter final with Wales is certainly winnable for them. Don't, don't you feel like Campbell? This World Cup's kind of been played in two tiers, where you've got the best teams in the world playing on one side of the draw, the next best teams playing on the other side. It's almost like a World Cup A and a World Cup B going on at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, I know Ian Foster said it was the uh, the elephant in the in the room was the draw, uh, and, and it certainly is. I mean, that uh, I mean Paul C. Um, you know, it's been it's been all over the show and Paul yeah. C. And, and Paul D. Really. Um, the only, I mean, Chile's the only side that's been out of it entirely, and um, at the bottom of Pool D. But I mean, Portugal, um, probably the story of the World Cup is Os Lobos yeah. uh, playing so well, uh, drawing with Georgia and pushing, uh, pushing Wales and um, the Wallabies and Australia yeah. hard, which is which is crazy. They, they haven't played a World Cup in 16 years, so of the minnows, they've really um, risen far in a in a short space of time, and fair play to them. So that's why they will fancy their chances of doing something to Fiji, but I can't see that happening. Yeah, that might be the game they targeted before the tournament started as well. We'll see how that plays out. All right, you mentioned New Zealand uh, a couple of minutes ago. Uh, look, it's it's a lay-down Mazir. They are going to win this game, uh, and if they don't, then uh, we don't even deserve to be at this tournament, Campbell. But is there anything no. that you want to see from this game? I feel like... Leicester flying Anuku is the one player that potentially is playing for a spot in the 23 and potentially Ethan Blackadder off the bench as well. But is there anything you want to see from this game uh, in terms of the All Blacks? Like I said last week, I just wanted to see a clean professional performance against Italy and boy, did they, they, they come to the party with that. But what do you want to see out of the All Blacks team leading into a monumental quarterfinal clash next week? Well, other than a bonus point win, which I'm sure will happen, uh, I would say uh, I'd like to see no cards uh, yes. and no injuries. Um, <laughs> yes. Would be the main thing. That was probably the best thing against Italy. There were no cards. Uh, there was no suggestion of cards, and um, and they came through. All their players came through fit and well, other than the, the than the very fine performance they gave. So, yeah, that, I mean that would be <laughs> the main thing there. There's obviously Sam Kane needs a bit more match fitness. So does Tyrell Lomax and Geordie uh, Barrett as well. Um, Interested to see Leicester playing Anuku. I mean, I, I think he's just about the form left wing, but he's not going to get a run unless they play well Jordan at fullback, which doesn't look to be the case. No. So it's going to be unfortunate for him, but I think he could well work his way onto the bench for the quarterfinal. Uh, he can also play in the midfield, so that could be some cover there. But he's he's um, he's shown some um, some really top form uh, with with his carrying uh, ability and continuing on his 
form with the Crusaders. Um, and bear in mind, he may only have a couple of weeks to go and it's all back to Korea before he heads to Toulon. So, uh, you know, there's a big outing for, for Leicester on the left wing there. Uh, Damien McKenzie fullback, I, I think he's best placed there at mm. test level. Uh, but again, um, where, where he fits into the All Black mix um, in, a, in a match day quarter final, probably probably in the number 22 jersey, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but of course, uh, you know, the Bowden Barrett's the insurance policy off the bench there as well. So, um, yeah, there's a few permutations to come out of this. Uh, Luke Jacobson has a good chance at number eight to state his case, possibly for a bench spot. But you mentioned Ethan Blackadder uh, hasn't even had his chance so far. I'm not sure why he hadn't played previously, but um, big big chance for some of these guys to to, to, to get on and play well. And, um, yeah, I, and some of some of you still has a chance to play as well onto the bench ahead of Dane Coles, um, given he was the... I guess probably the form hooker last year, and he seems to have dropped down slightly in the picking order. But uh, so, so big, big chance for him in the number sixteen jersey. We know Campbell. Couple of questions to wrap. Thanks for your time. We know how stubborn Ian Foster is when it comes to selection. It appears during the course of this tournament, Campbell, that uh, Camroy guards Damian McKenzie and Dane Coles have forced their way and forced Ian Foster's hand on into the match day twenty three. Uh, I said it before. Do you, do you think there's a legitimate chance that Fozzie would take the risk of playing a Leicester-fying Anuku on? the bench in replace of, of say an Anton Leonard Brown or, or David Harvey and, and as a as a midfield cover because I think to win this World Cup the All Blacks need X Factor and impact players off the bench and I don't think there's a better impact back in world rugby than a guy like Leicester Fine Ganuku. Yes correct look mate, mate I agree 100% um, as you say Leicester can cover um, centre and wing and I think him in the number 23 jersey um, perhaps with McKenzie at 22 Cam Roygaard, 21. I mean, there's your there's your impact, um, and and that would be a tremendous bench. I'm not sure whether Anton Leonard Brown, who just covers the midfield positions, would necessarily be your man in a number 23 jersey in a quarter final. Uh, so if he's not starting, uh, I think he might struggle to get in. So uh, yeah, no, mate, I, I agree entirely. I think uh, Leicester Fanganuku has probably been hard done by with his uh, with his selection there because of this um, of the stubborn policy of not. Playing Will Jordan at fullback, uh, and therefore getting, um, you know, um, moving Mark Talia into the number fourteen jersey so he can play eleven. And final question: uh, Look, we all expect France to get the job done over Italy uh, this weekend as well, uh, no doubt, and uh, cement their place in the quarterfinals probably against the box. Uh, do you do you see this Anton Dupont face mask thing coming through and him playing in a quarterfinal? Because I, I wonder if internally they've watched that box island game and the French feel like they can't beat the box without Anton Dupont playing at halfback. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> there was even talk of him playing against um, yeah. the Azuri on. Saturday, but um, I think uh, discretion was the better part of valor there. I think that they will rest him until the, until the quarterfinals if they can if they can uh, throw him out there with his uh, this mask on and whether that works. Uh, he may have to play slightly differently and not be as confrontational as we often see him um, because I know the box list forwards will be targeting him. But France will still uh, they've put out a decent side against at least Serial Bay is that good prop and Jonathan Dunty at uh, at second five. So other than Dupont, they've they're coming out all guns blazing, really, and they need to put out a good performance because Italy, um, I mean, it's hard to know why they were so bad against the All Blacks, but Kieran Crowley's been doing some uh, some crazy things with their reviews, and I know he, I think he, had a, he said he was going to have a few beers, uh, which was probably, <laughs> probably a good thing after the All Blacks defeat. Um, and then they've uh, they've had some fires, Germany, where they've, um, they, they've written down on the piece of paper what they want to do in the game, and they've thrown it in the fire. So... Um, it's, it's going to be interesting. Italy, who always sort of pushed France reasonably well in the Six Nations, uh, they won't be favoured to do that um, in Lyon on, on, set, on Saturday New Zealand time. But 
um, it's going to be all out there. So pressure on the host, but I'm sure they'll be good enough to get the job done. Campbell Burns, Rugby News Editor, thank you so much for your time. That is Campbell Burns, guys. Uh, Get the Rugby News. It's a fantastic publication. has been around uh, for donkey's years. All right. Breakout Performance. Thanks to uh, Breakout River Meets 100% Australian Meat and proudly supporting uh, Rugby Union. There's been no games this week, so it's been hard to find out a breakout performer. So I've gone with someone who, as I discussed with Campbell there, has a massive opportunity this weekend to uh, force Ian Foster's hand and place him somewhere inside that 23, and that's Leicester firing Anuku. I believe that the All Blacks need impact off the bench, and they will have that with Damian McKenzie, they will have that with Cam Roygaard, and they could have that with Leicester firing Anuku to replace a Mark Talia, to, to replace a, a Bowden Barrett with uh, with Will Jordan going to fullback, or come on in the midfield if they get an injury. Uh, that is the only way they're going to win this tournament, with guys like Ethan Blackadder, uh, guys like Tyrell Lomax, people that are making impact off the bench, Sam Whitelock as well. Uh, we've seen what the South African bomb squad can do, while well, the All Blacks can have a bomb squad of themselves, with guys like firing Anuku and Damian McKenzie. So, our breakout performance uh, and someone who I'm expecting a massive, massive game from in just a few hours' time, Leicester Fying Anuku, uh, breakout River Meets, proud supporter of local independent butchers and the Rugby World Cup. Right, let's get to some news headlines. Welcome back to Rugby World Cup today, guys, brought to you by Kubota, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. Well, it is Test Match Eve. In fact, we're just a matter of hours away from the game, 13 hours or so from the All Blacks versus Uruguay. So let's jump into the All Blacks camp. Uh, we will hear from Greg Feek, Cody Taylor, and Offa Tongafase. Uh, Greg, I feel like this week uh, there's been lots of chat about the competitiveness within the team. I mean, can you just give a sense of how eager some of these boys are to get some game time under their belt? Yeah, so we do, at trainings, we do, um, at the end, we do some skill blocks and uh, the boys do some work-ons that they feel like they need to um, improve on. And and in that, there's even the focus, the intensity in some of those drills shows the fact that they are really trying to get that little bit extra to to prove themselves, you know. And and the good thing about that is um, we've got that competitiveness, but I've also got those guys that are competing for spots, actually helping each other do it, you know, and, and I think that's where, you know, in <clears throat> all the teams I've been in, when you see the boys working together like that, wanting each other to get better, um, you know, proves a, a good sort of, I suppose, um, where we sit with everything. Um, so that gets me excited, the boys get excited, and uh, we know that whoever gets the jersey um, is going to do the business. Ian Foster says that you've got to have that balance between paying attention to this week but also having an eye towards the future. I mean, what what are you looking for this week that will give you um, what you need in terms to feel good about the future? I suppose from last week, um, the standard that we set around a number of our areas, um, keeping some continuity with that is the first and foremost. And that, that in itself will will give the boys confidence, it'll um, cement a few things so that we can get some real rhythm going. Hey, Co- hey Cody. Um, Ian spoke yesterday about um, the importance of cultivating an edge. He talked about how sometimes that comes from the opposition, sometimes that's um, situational. 
Um, you know, when you play at a team, you're you're expected to win. How do you go about trying to cultivate the same edge, you know, as like the opening game against France or something like that? Oh, I think uh, a lot of the language we've used this week is around individual preparation and um, mindset, getting yourself right. I think, uh, you know, you're not wrong in saying that when you're playing, um, I suppose, proposed uh, big games, uh, there's a bit of edge straight away because of how how tough they are. Um, but in saying that, uh, you know, we've, we've re- uh, previewed Uruguay and... Uh, they're a really confident team. Uh, the way their captain speaks, they have a lot of belief, um, which is uh, which is awesome to see. I think uh, you know they back themselves, and, and we've pre- prepared accordingly. Uh, and like Fiki said, there's again been awesome edge at training this week to um, make sure we perform. I think you know on the back of last week, that's all we we want to do is, is front up and get the little things right. And offer obviously the the set piece was. Exceptional last week. I think you um, you guys won six scrums um, against Italy. How how do you go about trying to maintain that or get close to that level? Um, for as long as I I've been playing, one of the the toughest challenges of, of the week is preparing for a team that you know that will be easy to overcome. And uh, when that happens, you you tend to leave stones unturned. You, you know, you take it easy on, on some areas, but uh, for as long as I've been in this environment, it's, it's about our standards, and that's what's important to us. And um, no matter who we play, our intention and our focus is to go out there and, and, and play to our standard and you know, have a performance that we can be proud of. And, and it's no different from this week. Um, this week, last week, and, and previous weeks is... is we, we raise our standards and, and try to be better. doesn't matter who we play. And, um, and obviously, that, that's, that's an area that we've been, we've been working on. And, and, and it's great to see that it, it's, it's heading towards the, you know, the right directions. And, um, and we're going to use this week wisely as well to prepare for whatever happens in the future. Um, as Vicky said, we, we've had a good week training. Um, it's always uh, competitive at training, and uh, we, we have we have good people that are in in our circle that that are willing to help. Um, doesn't matter who's who's got the opportunity to go out there and and represent us. We we all you know all help out and, and make each other better. I suppose. Greg, when it came to uh, the review, um, reviewing Uruguay ahead of this match, how much time did you spend um, on looking at that game that they played against France earlier, where we, you know, saw them actually push France for a decent part of that game? Yeah, we actually, uh, as a team, were sitting watching that game at it because obviously we, you know, we're curious to see how how they go and and um, like I just said, it, that was part of what got us excited. And probably just made us go. We can't get complacent in this tournament about anyone we play. Um, so we looked at that. We saw. He talked about it the other day about um, how many turnovers they get in breakdowns, um, how physical they were, and even some of their backs. The you know quite electric too. So you know we've done our homework. We have to. Um, and the beauty about this tournament is we've been able to watch a few games coming into this one. Since the opening game against France, Cody, do, does it feel like to you this team has been able to take some shifts, go up some levels, 
we've had we've had only two games to see for ourselves, but obviously you've had all the training sessions and so forth. Um, are you confident that you that you've been able to go up up the required levels and and, and are ready, I guess, to enter the business end of this competition? Uh, simple answer: Yes, I think um, we've had a you know after France, uh, you know we've reviewed that game. There were opportunities. Um, we we did let ourselves down at times in that game and. Um, I think since then, you know, we've had, um, you know, the two games, we had that bye week and we really looked at ourselves and, and what areas we can be better at, uh, just the way that teams have been playing. Uh, just little things within our game, I think, is, um, is uh, you know, working on that has really helped us, I think. Uh, after last week, you know, that we're not going to get another game like that in terms of, um, like, score we prepared really well for Italy and um, the boys were right on uh, I think leading into the back end of this competition it's obvious playoff footy is not going to be like that uh, but I'm confident to say that we're trending in the right direction and there's um, good things in our game that we're, we're working on to, to be able to front up all going well we get a chance and just for you Arthur um, we've all enjoyed watching you play a lot of rugby at this World Cup with especially with Ethan being suspended you've had a Reasonable workload. How are you feeling, and how are you feeling about your game? Are you are you is it where you want to be, or do you feel you've still got another level to go to individually? Yeah, uh, obviously not the uh, circumstances for uh, for Ethan, but um, yeah, I've taken my opportunities of two hands, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with where I am at the moment. But uh, there's always uh, another level to reach, and there's always Things to improve, and um, yeah, we've had, I've had a good week uh, preparing for this for this game, and uh, yeah, looking forward to tomorrow night. Um, Cody, an, another two tries for Dane last week. Um, does he let you know about that a lot? And could, could you talk a little bit about his influence on the squad in general? Uh, he lets Sam and Sonny know about his tries. Him and uh, Sonny have a bit of banter between each other, but now he's he's a he's a humble man. Um, yeah, he come on and, and scored a couple, which is awesome to see. He's pretty good at getting over the chalk. So um, his influence, his leadership, um, his standards that he demands and drives in the team is uh, like world class. It's exactly what we need. We talk about all black standards, and he's a man that lives them. Uh, so. Yeah, his role is vital for this team and I think he's really put his hand up. He's been performing well, um, which means there's great competition in, in the hooker role. So uh, it's always good to see what he calls an old bugger going well at, yeah, at his age. Thank you. And I, I know you don't want to get uh, any further ahead than this match, but with Ireland playing Scotland on Saturday, is it a team, Ireland, that you've just started to, Ian was saying, you know, got one eye on making sure you're ready for the next stage is is it something you've started to think about in, in moments on your own oh you have you have brief moments where you think about a quarter final and what that might look like but um i think the great thing about this team and, and this tournament is that we've focused on each week as it's come and uh that's been the the way it's been this week you know we can't look past uruguay and uh yeah i don't to be honest, if we get the chance to, you know, we go to a quarter final. I don't really care who we play. Um, it's a quarter final. You got to front up no matter what. And um, 
prepare accordingly. So, yeah, whatever that looks like, I'm looking forward to the challenge. All going well. Um, uh, Greg, yesterday I was uh, at the airport, at the arrivals terminal, and there was this massive guy with a Statulusen bag. So I just wanted to check if Jerome Kaino has paid a visit to the camp. If not, he, does, he will. Yeah, um, no, Jerome's unavailable for squad selection. Um, <laughs> and <coughs> yes, he is floating around. He is uh, doing some stuff with New Zealand rugby, I think. But um, it's great to see him. He's a, he is a big man. Um, still in good shape. Probably could still play, um, like Victor. Um, but uh, no, it's great to have those guys around. Brad, the first thing I noticed from that EVA match presser, uh, one, Ollie Ritchie didn't ask the leading question, wasn't there at all by the sounds of it, which maybe he's just having a much-deserved day off, because it's a grind, man. Honestly, the, um, it is such a grind covering a Rugby World Cup. No doubt. The media, the New Zealand media did go out the other night. It was Mark Hinton's birthday, so maybe Ollie had a hard night <laughs> and didn't make the presser. And doesn't have uh, the lovely Kimberly Downs there to... Cover his cover bacon. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. The other thing there, right, right at the end, asked... Who would they rather play in the quarterfinals, Ireland or South Africa? They don't care. Bring it on. Yeah, you can't care. At this point, you've got to play who's in front of you, and you're going to have to beat both of those two teams probably to win the tournament. So, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's bring it on. It's bring it on, everyone. All right. Uh, that is uh, our peek into the All Blacks camp. That game not too far away commentary tomorrow. And, in fact, we will take a break, and when we get back, I will bring you our Rugby World Cup schedule here on SCNZ. So you're listening to Rugby World Cup today on SCNZ. <laughs> Welcome back, guys, to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. Uh, time now for our Rugby World Cup 2023 schedule, a look ahead to this week's games on SENZ. Uh, tomorrow morning, 7.30 a.m., coverage begins. New Zealand versus Uruguay with Daniel McCarty and the great Cully, Christian Cullen, bringing you the commentary. Uh, 4.30 a.m. on Sunday. We've got a double header for you on Sunday, folks. Uh, England versus uh, Manu Samoa. Sam Hewitt, Steve Devine with the call of that one. And then that's from 4.30 a.m. And then from 7.30 a.m., Ireland-Scotland, the biggest game of pool play, certainly since uh, the first game of the tournament, uh, Ireland-Scotland. Daniel McCarty, Christian Cullen with the call on that one. And Monday, 11.45 p.m., Japan, Argentina, it's the final game of pool play. The winner goes through, the loser goes home. Sam Hewitt, Steve Devine with the call, 11.45pm Monday. That is your Rugby World Cup schedule, thanks to Kubota. Uh, how are you feeling, Lokes? How are you feeling? Uh, All Blacks by what, 40, 50? What do you reckon? <laughs> I, I, I agree that they will be tested a lot more than they were against Italy. I think when Uruguay played France, that shocked a lot of people. Just how, how much they stayed within the game for as long as they did. I guess fit, uh, fitness comes into it. You know, the All Blacks are fit. That probably once fresh bodies come out uh, and more impact comes off the bench, that's when the things might sort of stretch out a bit more. Mm. Maybe thirty, maybe a thirty-point spread there is yeah, probably I'm, where I'm, I'm going. I'm feeling like forty points to ten. Um, that, that's that's where I'm at. Um, I'm expecting a professional performance uh, from the All Blacks. That's just about us done and dusted here, guys. Uh, and remember, tomorrow morning, the Bricky crew here from 6, and they'll go up to 7.30, Daniel McCarty and Christian Cullen, uh, with uh, a half an hour build-up, and then the call, All Blacks versus Uruguay, I believe for the first time in history, uh, these two teams meeting in a Rugby World Cup match 
Cannot wait for that one. Uh, thanks very much for listening, guys. Uh, Surly, we'll be back on board tomorrow night uh, from 6 p.m. That is Rugby World Cup today. Thank you to Kubota. Thank you to Logan. Um, we'll see you tomorrow.